חיים לחיים וברכה. ברכה, ברכה, נראים לברכה, עוד מעברה. אני באמת לא בלילה היום, ואני לא יודעת אם אני צריך לעשות את הפרוגרם היום, כי זה קצת יותר מאוחר מהפעם הראשונה, אבל אני ראיתי משהו היום מהרבה, שהצטרפתי לי לא רק לעשות את הפרוגרם היום, אלא לעשות את זה יותר ספציפי, The Rebbe said that this year, when the 17th of Tammuz falls out on Shabbos, there's a special uh, energy that says in the Talmud that when the fast of, of Tammuz is pushed off for a day, it's a special segula that it should be pushed off completely and we shouldn't have to fast at all. So this year, when, when the 17th of Tammuz and 9th of Av are both on Shabbos, So there's a special blessing this year in general for the uh, fast to be completely dismissed and, and removed from us and to become a day of joy and happiness. But the Rebbe said that the day itself of Shabbos, when the fast day uh, should have been a fast day if it was during the week, um, the fact that we don't fast could be explained in two possible ways. One way is, It's a happy day, it's Shabbos, you shouldn't have mourning. So push it off a day. That's one way of explaining it. The deeper way of explaining it is, is that since the whole purpose of the calamities of the 17th of the Tammuz were in order to prepare for the coming of Mashiach, the purpose of the exile and the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash in the first place is for Geula, is for redemption. So it comes out that the 17th of Tammuz is actually a good thing. That's why 17 is numerically equivalent to the word toy, which means good. And when it falls on Shabbos, so there's a revelation of the inner meaning of the day. So it's not like we're celebrating Shabbos and we can't, we can't focus on the 17th of Tammuz. It's more like when the 17th of Tammuz falls out on Shabbos, so then we connect with the inner meaning of the 17th of Tammuz, the goodness of the day. And in general, the closer we get to the coming of Mashiach, And all the signs of the Torah point to our time being the time of Mashiach, the less of a feeling of, of the mourning of the past there is, and there's more a sense of preparation, anticipation for the coming of Mashiach. That's why the celebration of the 12th of Tammuz, which is celebrated earlier this week, uh, ordinarily the, the, the month of Tammuz is a month when all these calamities happened, and it's not a time known for celebration, But in our generation, we have the day of the 12th and 13th of Tammuz, that liberation of the previous Rebbe. And the reason why uh, these celebrations are happening this month is because as we approach the coming of Mashiach, when the 7th of Tammuz will come a yontif, will come a holiday, so there's already a sense of joy and happiness in this month already because of... It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Because of the... Um, uh, because... We, When Mashiach will come, it will be revealed the purpose of the exile is for the, is for the coming of Mashiach. So therefore, as we approach the coming of Mashiach, and we get closer any moment for the Mashiach to come, so already now there's not such a strong sense of mourning as it was in previous times. Instead, there's more of a sense of how, what will happen, how Mashiach will come, and that's why the focus of learning about Mashiach, uh, learning about Mashiach um, isn't... We're supposed to say in the Talmud that, that you're supposed to learn about the... the The, uh, the building of Beis HaMiglash, even at the time of its destruction. But ordinarily, 
when you learn about the Beis Hamikdash during these three weeks, it's with the sense of like, okay, we have this time of mourning for the destruction, and we need to counter that, we need to have an antidote for it. But now, as we approach the coming of Mashiach, it's more of a sense of, let's learn the laws of the times. Mashiach is going to come. Where should the Mizbeach, where should the altar be? Where should the menorah be? Where should the table be? So it's, it's, it's a whole different kind of feeling um, uh, with these, um, these three weeks. So on that note, the, the, the positive energy that the Rebbe gives us to, to, with this perspective of understanding where we are in history and what these three weeks are and what the focus should be, um, is very connected to the stories that I want to share with you. I want to share with you two stories. The first story I heard today from uh, the man uh, who was involved in the story, Mr. Moshe Battalion. Um, his um, his uh, father was very ill with cancer, and his sister was um, uh, about to get married, and he wanted to get a bracha from the Rebbe, his father um, needed a bracha for a fuashlema. So his sister visited the Rebbe for private audience and hoping that the Rebbe would bless her father to get better. So before she went to the Rebbe, what actually happened was she went to the hospital. In the hospital, the, she told the doctors how she was going to get married and, and the doctor said to her, you should make your wedding, your wedding should be in the hospital, because your father is not going to leave the hospital alive, he can't leave the hospital, it's impossible for him to leave the hospital, there's no way in the, in the realm of nature for your father to recover, and therefore you should get married as soon as possible, and, as fa- and, and in the hospital, because if you want your father to attend, he's not leaving. So she went to her father, and her father said, please go to the Rebbe, and the man my namin, ask the Rebbe to say my name, and for a foreshlam, ask him to say my name, okay? That's what her father told her. She came to the Rebbe, and she gave her name, uh, she gave her father's name to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe uh, read her kvittel, read her note, and her father told her to make sure that the Rebbe says his name. He wanted the Rebbe to actually say his name for a full shlem that he should have complete and speedy recovery. So after the Rebbe note, read her note, she told the Rebbe she wants the Rebbe to say her father's name. So the Rebbe said, I, I read your note. But she repeated and said, no, I want the Rebbe should say my father's name. And the Rebbe said, I've done that. So she says a third time, and she's there in the room with her uh, future husband and with the uh, Rebbe Groner, and she says... I am not leaving this room until the Rebbe will say my father's name for a full Kreva Shlema. So she said. So Rabbi Groner didn't know what to do with himself and neither, neither did her future husband. But the Rebbe gave her a, a, a beautiful smile and Rebbe said her father's name and her, and her father's mother's name. And then the Rebbe said that you'll um, have her full Shlema. And the Rebbe also said that the wedding will be very joyous and big. I don't know if the Rebbe said big. They'll be very joyous. And then the Rebbe said that your father will have nachas. So sure enough, miraculously, um, she was she attended. Uh, her father was able to leave the hospital. Her father was able to come to the wedding and celebrate the wedding. 
and uh, and she she merited to have a child a year after her marriage, and her father was able to hold the baby, and the Rebbe's blessing, your father will see nachas, was fulfilled. So this man, or Meisha Battalion, his conclusion from the story was, he said, it wasn't just that the Rebbe's blessing was fulfilled, it was also that their father got chayis, got koiches, he got power, he got energy from the Rebbe's words. The Rebbe's words gave their father power and energy. So he said, when the Rebbe says something, as git koiches, when the Rebbe says something, the Rebbe's avar, the Rebbe says a word, it gives energy, because they're not just the Rebbe's words of a tzaddik are accepted by Hashem, but also when a human being, a regular person, not a tzaddik, listens to Rebbe's words with faith, it just inspires and gives energy and, 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 and charges you with, with, with a different kind of, you make, with, with spring in your step. My grandmother's Zengazunt, uh, Rebbe Sinfogman, was once uh, talking at a gathering in front of Rebbe Sinchana. Rebbe's mother was there. And my grandmother mentioned how it says in Sefer Yashar or Rabbeinu Tam that words that come from the heart enter the heart. And so she said that the Ramam says that a Jewish leader is called the heart of the Jewish people. So words that come from the heart of the Jewish people, from the Rebbe, enter the heart of every Jew and strikes a chord in the heart of every Jew. That's what she said. Rebbe Sinchana loved it. Rebbe Sinchana said, you spoke like an older chassid. This is an inborn trait you have. But that's the fact. The Rebbe's words give strength and, and energy because of where they come from, because of the emiss of them, because of the truth of them, because of the godliness in them. And that's a good intro to the next story I want to share. Uh, this story was written by uh, Rabbi Ari Smith and printed in Kfar Chabad magazine in Gimel Pama's issue. And the story is about a Rabbi Eliezer Lane who worked in the Beis Rivka schools in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, he came to Rebbe first in 1968, and as customary in Chabad, uh, the boys from Eretz Yisrael, uh, there after they graduate high school and the the first section of Beis Medrash, of uh, the post high school learning, they then go to um, they then go to uh, the Rebbe to study in 770 for a full year. That's how the Rebbe arranged this with the government of Israel for a full year of learning. From the 18th of Elul to the next 18th of Elul. So anyways, Rabbi Eliezer Lane attended this program and he continued on his studies in, 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 in New York. And it was 1968. It was before Rosh Hashanah. It was the 27th of Elul. And ordinarily our custom is that we read, we do slichas at night time, on, on Saturday night, that's our first time we do slichas, and uh, we do it at 1 o'clock in the morning. The other slichas we do in the early morning. However, technically, the time for slichas is Bashmer Sabaikr. The time for slichas is any early time. It doesn't have to be specifically be in the morning. It could also be late at night, like 3 or 4 in the morning. And Rabbi Zalman Khanan, who worked in and works in publishing the Rebbe's talks, he had delivered a letter to the Rebbe's secretary for the Rebbe about his work. And he called over his friend Eliezer and he said, Eliezer, I want to tell you something. I saw, I happened to see when I was in the Rebbe's Rebbe secretariat, a, a list of all those who are going to speak to the Rebbe tonight. And I can tell, based on his experience and how the Rebbe's audiences would work and how many, the amount of people on the list, that it's, it seems like, he said, that the Rebbe is going to 
do slichas after he concludes his last audience tonight. Instead of doing it in the morning at 7.30 or 7 or 6.30 or in the more early, early morning, as soon as ever finishes his, the audience, he's going to, to have a minion, whoever's in 770, to do slichas privately. So I advise you, Eliezer, why don't you stay, and Eliezer said about himself that uh, there are a lot of boys who were night owls, and they would stay up all night and just hang around and talk. He wasn't like that. But hearing this, that I was going to do slichas that night, so he wanted to be part of it. So he, he stayed up that night, and sure enough, Rabbi Chalakov, the Rebbe's secretary, came out to the, uh, the upstairs in 770, the upstairs study hall, checking to see if there was a minion. And he, as every, every night, when he, after the Rebbe finished, all the audiences that he had, Rabbi Chalakov would go, would go in and talk to Rebbe for a few minutes at the conclusion of all these audiences. And this time, Rabbi Chalakov went into, asked, went into the study hall to check if there was a minion, and he came back with holding his slichas, and everyone knew the Rebbe was going to come out. The Rebbe indeed comes out at 2.15 in the morning, 1968, 27th of El, and the Rebbe asks, can you get another person for the minion? So Rechadakov looks around, and he counts some other people in the room, and he sees there is a minion in the room. There were eight boys, together with the Rebbe and Rechadakov, there's ten. So he told the Rebbe, there are ten people here. The Rebbe asked, can another person uh, come for the minion? Can you get another, one more person? Okay, something's going on. So there were some boys that uh, had, had uh, gone to sleep that night in the uh, another section of 770. Some boys uh, wanted to make sure they got up in the morning for um, the 8 o'clock Hasidus class. Uh, that the Rebbe instituted. Uh, in previous times in Lubavitch, there was no um, Friday morning class because the boys would stay up till Thursday, on Thursday night till very late at night. So Friday morning, there was no official class, but the Rebbe instituted that their class should be as usual, just a half hour later. Eight o'clock in the morning is the Hasidus time, so some boys wanted to make sure they were there and they slept in, in, in 770. So they found this guy who was sleeping there. They woke him up. The Rebbe's waiting. He'd come. He washed him. They gave him Negevaser. He runs over and he um, joined the minion. As soon as he comes in, the Rebbe, they began, they began slichas. They didn't know what it meant. They didn't know why they needed more people. They didn't know what, at all what was going on. A few months later, it was the second night of Hanukkah. Rabbi Eliezer Lane is in 770 and he hears a commotion. And he keeps on hearing in the, in the commotion, oh, there's, a, there's a conversation, everyone's talking about something. And everyone's saying, on Erez Avek, Erez Avek is, the word Avek in Yiddish means he has gone. But it's usually a term used for someone who has passed away. So Rabbi Lane went over to Rabbi Hanan, who was also a student at the time, he said, Verez Avek, who passed away? So Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi um, Hanan said, remember the boy with a uh, long blonde beard uh, who studied here? He said, yes, oh my God, did he pass away? He said, no, 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 he didn't pass away. What happened was, was that there was a family that this boy was interested in meeting a girl from a certain family. 
And the family asked the Rebbe if this is a, something they should consider. And the Rebbe said that they should consult with Rabbi Jacobson. Rabbi Jacobson was sort of the president, the Yoshev Roish of Chabad in America. And he also had started a yeshiva for Bali Tshuva. The first, Bali, the first yeshiva for returnees to their Jewish roots in America is Hadara Torah in Brooklyn. And Rabbi Jacobson began that yeshiva. So the Rebbe said they should, if they're considering this guy as, as, as a, uh, a suitable match to their daughter, they, the Rebbe's not going to answer them. But the Rebbe said that they should ask Rabbi Jacobson. It's in Rabbi Jacobson. So the parents already felt there's something wrong with this boy. Why do they have to ask Rabbi Jacobson? And they were just going to cancel the, the idea. But the Rebbe instructed them to speak to Rabbi Jacobson. So they did. Rabbi Jacobson uh, calls over the boy. He realizes there's something going on. And the boy tells Rabbi Jacobson his story. Uh, Rabbi Jacobson didn't know this boy particularly well. He was actually surprised that Rabbi told him to speak to him. But anyways, he sat down and spoke to him. And the boy's story sounded really good. He had lived in this town in the Midwest. And he had come to be interested in his parents. His parents are Jewish. And he became interested in Judaism. And that's why he came to this yeshiva. And he's excited about it, and he likes learning, and he's keeping, um, he's very interested in, in all of the uh, things that he's doing. He must have been a really, really top student if he was interested in even staying till 2 o'clock in the morning just to be with the Rebbe that night to do the slichas, the special prayer before Shoshanah. But anyway, so Rabbi Jacobson is satisfied with the interview, but he's not satisfied to uh, say that he has understood what the Rebbe is talking about. So he calls up the boy's parents. The boy's parents... Um, agree immediately to drive over and they they come to Rabbi Jacobson I don't know where they were living at that time but at wherever they were living at, the, at that time they drove over from where they were and they arrived in 770 that day and Rabbi Jacobson met them together with their son so Rabbi Jacobson said listen I don't know what the story really is but I do know is that the Rebbe Zavart the Rebbe says something it's 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 not to be ignored. There's something here that the Rebbe is asking me to find out, and I'm asking you to please be transparent with me about your son. This is pertinent for your son and for his future, and I need you to be open with me and tell me what's really going on. So, the uh, the mother is told the boy he needs to leave the room, leaves the room. And the mother says to Rabbi Jacobson that they wanted to have children for many years. They couldn't have children, so their son who was always their son, was actually adopted. So, I don't know if uh, if anyone would uh, advise Rabbi Jacobson, any, any psychologist would advise Rabbi Jacobson to do what he did, but by divine providence, um, Rabbi asked him specifically to take care of the situation, so apparently what he had done was the right thing for that particular story. Um, he calls the boy back in, and he says to the boy, the boy never knew he was adopted. He tells him that you're adopted and you're not Jewish. So when the boy discovered he wasn't Jewish, he took off his hat, took off his jacket, and he just ran away. And no one heard from him again since. So uh, there obviously was something else going on in his life besides um, his, uh, his biological Jewishness or not, or real Jewishness or not. Obviously something else was going on in his life for the fact that he rejected everything 
completely and totally, immediately discovering that he's not Jewish. But it says in Tanya that when there are ten Jews together praying, even if an angel would be there, the angel would be disintegrated by the holiness of this of of the ten of the of the Shechina, of the divine presence that rests when there are when there are ten Jews there. So apparently, in ways that we can't possibly know, the Rebbe came in that night. So the Rebbe, um, the Rebbe didn't uh, wasn't able. To, he knew the, the Shechina wasn't there, or however else the Rebbe knew it, and therefore they said they should fall, get someone else for for the minion. So that's the story I wanted to share tonight. And the bottom line is is that we learn things from the Rebbe, whether it's a, a talk of the Rebbe, or it's a discourse, or it's a letter. The Rebbe's words are git koiches. They give us energy, and they give us direction, and they give us life. And uh, Hashem should help. We should see the fulfillment of the Rebbe's words, how we are in the threshold of the Geula, threshold of the coming of Mashiach. May Hashem help us. We should see this tonight, and automatically tomorrow morning will be transformed to day of celebration, and happiness forever. L'chaim l'chaim. Agut avach. G'vach Yehuda. G'vach Mechol David. G'vach Shui. G'vach David. G'vach Levi. G'vach Akiva. All right. G'vach. 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 G'vach.